Hello, everyone, and welcome to Cisco Champions Radio Remote Edition. Actually, if you're listening to this, it's always going to be remote for you, unless you're creepily sneaking into our uh, recording studio, which would be creepy. Anywho, to get to the point today, we are discussing resiliency on your wireless network, and we have uh, three awesome dudes to discuss this with you. Ankur, dude number one, who are you? What do you do? Uh, Lauren, my name is Ankur. As you said, I work at Cisco, and I'm a product line manager in enterprise wireless, focusing on next generation wireless platforms and the software which runs on top of this. Fantastic. Dan, who are you? What do you do? I'm Dan. I am an enterprise architecture advisor. So this is my first first Cisco Champions Radio podcast, so I'm, I'm excited to be here. Hopefully not your last. <laughs> And Sam. Hi, Lauren. Uh, I'm Sam Clements. You can find me on Twitter at Samuel underscore Clements. I blog over at sc-wifi.com. And I am an engineering director at a large VAR here in the States. Fantastic. And I don't even recall if I mentioned my Twitter, but it's my first name. It's Lauren. It's awesome. And Ankur, let's kick it over to you. What the heck are we talking about with resiliency for your wireless network? Sure, Lauren. So, um, Lauren, if you look at it, right, I mean, uh, there was a time when wireless, or I should say Wi-Fi, was just used for exchanging emails or an internet, right? I mean, the time has changed. Uh, Today, a lot of our customers run their mission-critical business on wireless. So, we need to make sure that wireless is up and running 24 by 7, not only if there is a network failure or a device failure, but in case of any scenarios, which could be your upgrades or the patches or the P-certs which, come into the, which comes into the software, we have to make sure that we can upgrade and update and network should always be up and running. That's why the wireless uh, resiliency has become very critical in today's deployment. Fantastic, Dan. Do so, you want to? First question would just be, so as we're talking about resiliency within wireless, could you could you kind of tell us more what that means? Absolutely, Dan. So, Dan, if you look at it, right, uh, what does resiliency mean? Resiliency mean is that no matter what happens, your network should always continue to work. So think about a wireless deployment where the wireless clients are connected, they are passing traffic. Now, there could be possibility that there can be a network failure, which means due to some reason there is a power failure or there could some reasons there the first top switch has a failure. So we need to make sure that does not matter what happens if there is a network failure, your wireless client continue to pass traffic. It could be different services, it could be video service, it could be voice service, it could be data service. It should continue to work on if there is a network failure. Another important aspect as you know is right, Today, there is a lot of vulnerability can come into the system because of the clients, right? Because clients keep upgrading their software all the time. And if there is any P-certs because of that or any changes or vulnerability in the software, we also have to make sure that if we can upgrade your networks live, your wireless traffic should continue to work, which means that they should be able to continue passing traffic, voice, or a video, even if we upgrade or update the system. That is what I mean by resiliency, that if there is a network failure or if there is a planned network outages, which is due to upgrades and updates, your network should continue to work. 
Well, so we've had we've had a form of this obviously for some time on the existing controllers on the wireless infrastructure side of the house with uh, M plus one high availability SSO and the likes, right? So, are we, is that what we're talking about? Or are we talking about that plus? We are talking about multiple things, Sam, here, and good that you brought this question. So if you look at our existing wireless deployments, right, we already had high availability, which we used to call it as a stateful switchover, or we used to call it as an N plus one wireless deployment, right, where your controller can go down due to any reason, your access point can go and join any other existing controller into the network. Or even if you have two controllers back-to-back connected, they can switch over and stand back and take over an active role and can keep serving the APs and a client. But that we call it as an unplanned event, right? Because you don't have any control. There can be network outages which can happen in the network without any you doing anything into the network. That was already present. But we have gone beyond with those uh, high availability and we have taken care of high availability now with the upgrades and updates. And that all innovation is possible on our next generation wireless stack, which is Catalyst 9800 with an iOS XE operating system running on top of it. Because iOS XE, as you know, is multi-threaded operating system, we can do the patches on top of it and take care of updates on live network without network going down. So just so just so that we're clear, we're, we are talking about the 9800 platforms. We're not talking about any of the older, the older AeroS platforms here, right? Exactly. We are talking about next generation wireless platform, which is Catalyst 9800. Gotcha. Running iOS XE operating system. And so you, you discussed a bit about things like unplanned outages, which of, which of course we've been architecting solutions around for a while, right? That that it seems like for your unplanned type of things. Before we dive off into the new stuff, the unplanned things like SSO and M plus one, none of those things really change, right? We still have those. Those are still viable, high availability um, schemes or designs, right? Uh, all of that stays intact. Exactly. So in fact, we have done something more, Sam. So yes, you're right. All those things which was already available for unplanned activities, which is stateful switchover, N plus one is already available. But we have done some innovations beyond that. For an example, 9800 is capable of connecting multiple lags. If you look at resiliency before in our previous generation platforms, we had only one lag. Now you can have multiple lags, one going to another wired infrastructure and some VLANs can go to another wired infrastructure altogether. We also started supporting PAGP and LACP as a protocol for a lag. So now it depends on your infrastructure, whatever mechanism you have to form a lag, you can use that on the wireless controller to form resiliency in terms of physical link layer redundancy. And beyond so, that... So Ahead, yeah, so, so multi-lag, I'd, I'd like you to drill on that for just a second, because that's been something that, that has been, I think, lacking in the portfolio for a long time, where you've got these big boxes that have just a slew of interfaces on them. And I, and, and I understand that lag, you know, is taking all of those and bundling them together to go to one switch. But what you're saying is now we can actually split that bundle up into, say, two bundles and run bundle A to switch A and bundle B to switch B and, and still support lag on that controller. Absolutely. You you got it, uh, Sam. So you can have two lags, one going to switch A, another going to switch B. And in fact, you can do something more on top of it. What you can do is you can have your SSIDs mapped to different VLANs. Let's say VLAN 10 and 20, that can go via lag one on switch one. And then you can have VLAN 30 and 40 mapped to another SSID and can go to switch two. So you can load balance your VLANs and infrastructure traffic on multiple lags on your infrastructure. 
So we talked a little bit about controllers. Um, one of the things that I'm interested in is the the APs themselves and some of the redundancy that we have there. It sounds like a lot of this is is new. So can you go into some of the the new features at at the AP level? Exactly. So so Dan, what we have also done, as I said, right, because of iOS XE, we have a lot of flexibility now in terms of an architecture because iOS XE is very multi-threaded operating system. On an access point also, we have a capability to do the service packs. Now, what does that mean? Let's say you hit the vulnerability on a particular model of an access point. You need not upgrade your entire controller or the access point. What you can do is you can put an AP service pack or you can also call it as an AP patches onto the controller. The controller will intelligently find it out that this patch is for which access point model. Let's say you hit the vulnerability only on a particular series of access point. That patch is only applicable for that series of access point. Controller will intelligently find it out and send it to only those model of access points. So your controller is not getting upgraded. Your rest of the access points are not getting upgraded. Only those access points which hit the vulnerability are getting those patches. So you have a lot of granularity in fixing and rolling out those issues much, much faster as compared to what it was before. Yeah, in, in the past, we sort of had this bundle where you would, where the controller code and the AP code were all very, very tightly bound together. You would update a controller with this massive image, then you would reboot it and all the APs would phone home and they would get their image from that image. And there was this, this concept or this, it felt like these two are super, super locked together. Like you couldn't take an AP that was running a different version of software and join it to the controller without the controller going out and overriding that version of code. So, so it sounds like you're saying there's a, that, that sort of dependency of running the same version which may or may not have a software fix or whatnot in it, is now gone away? That's right, Sam. So there is still the compatibility which needs to happen between access points and a controller images, but you can always run patches on top of the image what they are running. And that way what can happen is you can run multiple patches. Let's say you are hitting vulnerability one, vulnerability two after six months or nine months. You can have patch one running on an access point and then you can run patch two on top of that access point and controller still running an older image. So in terms of patches, yes, now we have completely broken it down. Controllers can run different patches, access point can run different patches, and they can still work together at the same time. This is probably a really dumb question, but why would you want to patch just the AP and not the controller? Is it just, you know, AP specific types of Exactly, Lauren. Okay. Absolutely. And this is very critical because what happens is, right, if you look at end of the day, the wireless controller and access point are two different entities. Yeah. So if I'm hitting a vulnerability on an AP, why do I need to upgrade my controller? Because if I upgrade the controller, it upgrades all the access points. So you bring the network down for a longer time. But with this capability, if you are hitting a vulnerability only on an access point, just upgrade that particular access point. And you don't need to upgrade the controller. So your network is up and running. Only those particular access points which hit the vulnerability is getting updated. So all this talk of patching. When you apply patches, is that taking an outage on the AP or are we able to get around that? We have done a lot of intelligence, Dan, on top of it, right? As I said, resiliency is on top of the mind and we have to make sure that network is up and running all the time. So what we have done it is that you can put the patch on an access point. The access point will intelligently find it out how many clients it has. The access point will also intelligently find it out the neighboring access point. Then what it does is that it makes the neighbors safe 
and make sure I'm not rebooting next of my neighbors. And I will steer the clients from my access point to the neighboring access points. And when I have no client, only that is when I reboot after loading a patch. So that way the clients are not getting impacted, client continue to pass traffic and the access point which are impacted also get the updates and patches. So what you're saying is that there's this, uh, there's this magic automatic sauce that goes through and selectively takes APs out of service whenever it feels like it can. That seems like it's fraught with potential complications. It seems like you'd be worried about things like having overlapping coverage in all areas or maybe not having overlapping coverage. Is there, that, that seems, if I'm, if I'm putting myself in the shoes of a network administrator, um, that's going to drive the, the pucker factor way up in that I'm going to be really, really um, concerned about uh, just handing this thing over to my network and saying, yeah, you know what, go figure it out on your own. Um, that, that, that seems, that seems really, really, un, that, that, that would make me uneasy. Yeah, Sam, but we have done a lot of intelligence. I mean, right. If you look at in decades, Cisco is running its, uh, very advanced RRM algorithm. So we know that which is my access point, which is neighbor. And if I'm not having an overlapping signal, I always do increase my signal strength and a power so that I always form an overlapping signal strength with my neighboring access point. And with my RRM neighborship, I can find it out which are my neighboring access point because I always hear access point to access point on an air. And when I form my neighborship, that is when I know that this is my access point, which is close to me, getting a decent signal, and I can steer my clients automatically without manual intervention from you to those clients. Another intelligence, Sam, just to share with you and Dan is what we have brought in. As I said, resiliency is again top of the mind. We have given a flexibility to put the patches on an access point on a particular site. So let's say you're running multiple buildings, right? Access points is in building one, building two, building three. Why do you need to put the patches on all the building at one time? What you can do is that you can say, hey, my patch number one goes to site number one. And controller automatically find, hey, this patch is for access point model X, and it only goes to building one on those access point. And once we are comfortable with that patch and everything is taken care of, you can start rolling out those patches automatically in the rest of the site. So you have a very granular control of where you want to put the patches and how you want to roll out the patches in much, much flexible manner. And I presume all of this is, this still functions if you're using the embedded controller, physical, however you're, you're running your controllers, the same, same structure still applies? Absolutely. And then, as I said, this is the biggest advantage what we have because of iOS XE. It's a multi-threaded operating system, and we have decoupled the hardware from a software, which means the same features and functionality, which is available on an iOS XE operating system running on an appliance, will be available on 9800 cloud platform, will be available on 9800 embedded wireless controller on an AP, and also on the switches. The same features and functionality available on the entire portfolio. So new APs, can you tell us a little bit about what's, what's coming there? Sure, and in fact, again, another innovation, what we have done it, as I said, unplanned outages we have taken care of. We have introduced a feature on our Catalyst 9800 call as AP device back. Now think about it, we keep rolling out new and new hardware, right, on an access point as and when standard evolve. So we launched 9120 series access point, we launched 9130 series access point, and that evolution will go and go on and on based on the new standards as and when it evolves. And customers do not always want to upgrade their controllers to support this new access point. So what we have done is we have 
come up with a concept or an innovation called a AP device pack. So for an example, let's say you're running 16.12.2 image on your controller. Your network is stable, up and running, serving clients and APs, and you bought new access point, which is 9130. Now you need not upgrade your controller to the new image where 9130 is supported. You can just take an AP device pack, put it onto the controller. Controller does not get upgraded. Your rest of the access point does not get upgraded. Only your new hardware, which is 9130, can join running 16.12.x without upgrading your entire network. So that's the flexibility of rolling out an access point much, much faster on your network rather than just keeping it idle in your warehouses. Okay, so wait, dumb question, because I'm a little slow here, as everyone probably knows. Uh, so you don't need to have the 9800 controller to run like the, the Wi-Fi 6 APs, the 9100? No, Lauren, the question is, uh, 9800 will run all 9800 will support all your catalyst Wi-Fi 6 access points. Uh -huh. 9115, 9117, 9120, 9130. But if you look at it, 9115 started supported in 16.11 release. 9120 started supporting in 16.12.2 release. And 9130 is coming up in future releases, which is 16.12.3, 17.1. Now customer is already running 16.12.2, right? and he wants 9130 joining the controller. So I don't need to upgrade my controller image for 9130 to join. I can just put AP device pack and the 9130 can join the controller on the 16.12.2 image without upgrading the controller. So even the access pointer coming up in the future releases, you can put an AP device pack and make the new access point join the controller running a previous image. But so what does that do when you have a required controller feature for that AP? Let's say there's a, uh, let's say there's, I guess, like in the case of the 9130, if there's, if there's a dual five gigahertz button or something that's missing on the controller side of the house, does, does the, you, you called it an AP device pack. Does that include anything on the controller as well? Or does that, or does that AP just sort of join in some sort of a minimal um, serviceability type of, type of, Role. Yes, Sam. So what we have done it is, right, your AP will join the controller, start giving you all the features and functionality which is available on the software release running on a controller. The so for an example, gotcha. yes. Yeah. So for example, if you're running 16.12, all the features and functionality which is available on 16.12 will be available and the clients will be able to enjoy that functionality. But any functionality which is coming up in the future release in 17.1, 2 or 3, will be only available when you upgrade the controller with that image. But not to worry, as I said, resiliency is on top of the mind. Even when you upgrade to the next available software release, we have a lot of innovations and we're gonna talk about it. It can take care of upgrading the network with a complete new image on a controller and access point with zero downtime. Well, that sounds like a good segue. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I was <gonna> say, <laughs> you can't just leave us hanging with that. Yes. <laughs> So all the issues which I spoke right now is taking care of the patches, vulnerability, and the P-cert available on an existing image or the hardware you are running. But then we have multiple innovations, and I'm going to talk about it. Rolling AP upgrades and in-service software upgrade, which can upgrade your controllers and the access point to the complete new image, what you are running, with zero downtime. And we have flexibility in all the deployment modes. For an example, if you're running N plus one, you have a primary controller and a secondary controller, you can do N plus one image upgrade intelligently 
on the entire access points and the controller without any downtime. And in case if you have controllers running in a stack, which is stateful switch over stack active and a standby, you can again upgrade the entire controller and an access point with zero downtime. And we call it as an in-service software upgrade, ISSU, as a short name, what we call it as. Well, so you, so you said you said M plus one rolling AP upgrade is that that's different than the AP patching, right? Yes. AP patching is is just a little bit of code, and the rolling upgrade is what what comes from the controller, I guess. So rolling AP upgrades is the functionality of how we roll the APs and upgrades them. It could be a complete new image, or it could be the patches. For an example, you are rolling out the patches, right? And they, you want to put the patch on all the access points. Now, if you put the patch on all the access point. I will not reload all the access point at once. I'm going to find it out which access point I should upgrade first with that patch. And before I reload an access point, I'll make sure that the clients are steered away to my neighboring access point and move to the N plus one controller if it is a complete new image. And then only I will reboot my access points. So it depends if you're just rolling out the patch, the access point can be rebooted after moving the clients to my neighboring access point because I'm not upgrading a controller. But if it's a complete new image, I will roll out my AP to the next controller, get it upgraded, and bring it back. So this this N plus one rolling AP upgrade, how long does that take in a in a in a? I guess there's no such thing as an average size network. If I have a network that has 500 APs on a campus, how long can, how long realistically would it take to roll through that number of APs in order to get them all uh, patched or current or updated? So roughly, Sam, if it is an average size network close to 500 APs and a couple of thousand clients, it may take close to an hour or so to upgrade the entire network with zero downtime. Because what we do is that if you look at the entire process, we're going to upgrade the N plus one controller first with a new image, and we move an access point in a staggered fashion. So let's say you have 500 access point. We pick up 15% of your access point first by default. You can change that time. You can change that percentage to 25% or 5%, but by default, we pick 15% of your access point, which means we would have taken roughly 75 access point in first go, move that access point to the N plus one controller. But before moving, we want to make sure your clients are not impacted. So we steer the clients away to your neighboring access point, move those access point to N plus one controller, get them upgraded, and then take up another set of 75 access point and in a staggered fashion, we're going to upgrade all your access points, bring it to the new controller, and completely upgrade your network. And then it's choice of yours. You can bring that access point back again on your primary controller in the same staggered fashion, 15% and 15%. That way your network is not impacted and your entire controller and access point got upgraded. So when it's doing this rolling upgrade and it's trying to steer the clients away, is there a mechanism so if, if it's not able to steer a client away, it doesn't upgrade that AP, it, it presents the admin with, you know, this this AP was, you know, encountered some some delay, some issue with the clients, so it, it prevents that? Or how does it deal with if you run into a situation where it can't steer, steer clients away? Yes, so Dan, uh, we have put an intelligence first on the access point. And most of the client, if they follow the Wi-Fi protocols, they will follow 802.11v. We use 11v to steer the clients to the neighboring access point. And we tell the clients, hey client, your neighboring access point can give you a better signal. Why don't you move to that access point? And we send them a reason to move. If the client uh, follows all the 11 uh, 
802.11 standards, they will be able to steer to the neighboring access point. And we do that five attempts to a client. And if after five attempts also client do not adhere to that, we forcefully disassociate the client. We do not deauthenticate. We just disassociate them so that they do not need to go for authentication again. That PMK keys for the authentication is cache is still there on the controller. We just disassociate them so that they move forcefully to the new AV, but do not go for full authentication. Okay, so we ask them and then we tell them. Yes. <laughs> I like it. And, you know, we have done some more intelligence, as I said, when the APs are moving to your secondary controller and the first batch, let's say your 25, 15% of your access points are getting upgraded till the time those 15% of your access point are ready to serve the client after they are upgraded and reloaded and ready to serve the client. The N plus one controller will not signal the primary controller to send the next batch. Only when my batch by batch access points are upgraded and ready to serve the client the secondary controller signals the primary controller, hey, my, the batch is already upgraded, ready to take the client, send me more APs. And that's why staggered batch by batch, I can upgrade all my access points back to the new controller. Now you may ask me that, hey, you are doing it for N plus one, how about if your controller are in stack, right? There is no N plus one there, there is primary, which is active and a standby controller together form as a stack. How do I take care of that? Because I cannot move to the new controller because there is no controller there. So we have a new capability as an innovation introduced on Catalyst 9800 called as ISSU, in-service software upgrade. And the biggest innovation what we have done there is that two controllers are running the same image and the APs are running the same image. And when I start my ISSU process, I can put a new image on my standby controller. Automatically active will transfer an image to the standby. Standby gets reloaded and come back with a new image. And at this time, if you look at it, your active and standby are running a two different images. Active is running version hey, X. You're active and standby. Are you talking about, so prior to the update in this, so you said it's ISSU for the controllers. Mm -hmm. in, in this scenario, are you saying this is an SSO configuration where we're used to dealing with um, one IP address for two controllers? Or are you saying this is Absolutely. Like an N plus one configuration? Absolutely, Sam. So one IP address for both the controllers. They are running in an SSO. So in SSO, okay. So in the so in the past, again, much like APs and controller images were locked, your two controllers in your SSO pair were were very very tightly locked together, and so so that then goes away as well. Absolutely, and that's a key innovation what we have done on our next generation platforms for that transition period of an upgrade. The two controllers and an access point are running different images till the time the entire network is getting upgraded. So think about it, you are running an active controller and a standby controller and an access point with a version X and you want to go to version X plus one. You put the version X plus one on active controller only on a flash, it transfers that image to the standby controller and the standby controller reboots and come up with a version X plus one. And at this time, your active and standby are running complete different images. Active running version X, standby running version X plus one. And the APs are still running version X. So if you look at it, the standby is running complete different image, still in sync with active and standby. The config can still get sync between active and standby. APs and client database still get sync between active and standby. So that's an innovation where active and standby can run different image. And at this stage, your standby will do a switchover and becomes an active and run a version X plus one. And your active, which was running version X will become standby. 
and your new active which is running version x plus one will serve the ap's which is still running version x so ap is running an old image oh, can still gotcha. join the new ap running a version x gotcha. plus one yeah 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 so so your controllers ultimately do the do the update they, they do their own code update and the APs continue to join that one IP address sort of regardless of which version of the code is on the primary, secondary, or on both of them. Absolutely. Gotcha. So your standby picks over becomes a new controller with version X plus one, and your APs are still running version X. And now your old active, which is a standby now, will also get upgraded to version X plus one. So now if you look at it, both the controllers got upgraded to the new version X plus one. APs are still running version X. And this is a time we will start the rolling AP upgrades within the SSO members in a staggered fashion, taking 15% of your access point by default and keep upgrading those 15% by 15% staggered fashion, all the access point on a stack member and the entire access point will get upgraded to the X plus one and network will continue to serve the APs and client when this whole upgrade is happening on an SSO network. So with this, the licensing, everybody's favorite Favorite topic. <laughs> so in order, in order to get all this stuff, what what do you need to do to actually make this usable in an environment? So the good. And just a quick preface, Ankur, are you a licensing expert? Absolutely. <laughs> oh, okay. I was oh. Like trying to get you out there, man. All right. Anything and everything on our next generation wireless platform. So Sam and Dan, this is the another good thing what we have done on ninety eight hundred. Your licenses are portable which means that it does not matter your access point are running on which controller. As long as you have the set of access, you have a set of licenses for those access point. For example, you have 500 access point and you have 500 licenses. It does not matter your access point are on controller one or a controller two or a controller three. The controller hardware does not matter. The access points are tied to the licenses and licenses are completely portable. So you move your APs to the new controller. As long as you have the set of licenses, you are good to go. So the portability is cool, but Dan, was that your question as to what licenses are needed? So not, yeah, my, my question was more around what, what flavor of licensing is needed. So is this something that if I've got wireless deployed today, I've got to upgrade licensing or what is what does that look like? Sure, so Dan, we have three tiers of license, right? As you know, we have DNA Essentials, DNA Advantage, and DNA Premier. All this functionality which I spoke about in AP service pack and an AP device pack, a controller software maintenance update, N plus one rolling AP upgrade, and your ISSU, all those is part of Cisco DNA Advantage licensing. So which means all the capabilities of keeping a network up and running with resiliency upgrades and updates is part of your DNA Advantage. But SSO pair, just to form as a stack member and doing multi-lag, or doing PAGP or LACP for link redundancy or resiliency is part of your DNA essentials. Cool. So you, you slid something in there. You said uh, for lag, uh, PAGP and LACP as well. That's something that historically we've also not had either, right? We've always had to, we've always had to do some additional configuration on our, on our switches in order to get our link redundancy up. And you just slid in that PAGP and LACP are now supported? Absolutely. Because that's a big deal. That's a big deal. So anything which, is, <laughs> anything which is needed for your network resiliency in terms of your configuration as a basic resiliency, right? A multi-lag or your uh, PAGP, LACP to form a lag 
is needed as a part of link redundancy. Lag was already supported with mode on. Now lag will be supported with the different protocols, PAGP and LACP. And that's very basic when you deploy the physical topology. Gotcha. So I've got a question about ISSU, if you don't mind. Um, I, I've not lived in the switching world for an eternity, but it, it some time ago it was generally considered um, uh, one of those features that you don't touch. Like, yes, it's there, yes, but it's more of a marketing feature. Switch stack ISSU updates or multi-core ISSU and all that fun stuff. Uh, does it actually work? <laughs> So it is, it absolutely works, Sam. And why I'll tell you why it is important. There is a whole lot of difference world when it comes to the wired and the wireless. If you look at it, right, wired is very much governed and controlled. But wireless is something you do not control. You can bring any wireless client from an outside and can connect to the wireless network. It could be uh, your phones, it could be your uh, mobile devices, it could be an iPad, it could be laptops and a different, and the same laptops, right? And the mobile phone goes out to multiple networks. So there is a different kind of vulnerability which can keep coming up in your wireless devices, which we do not have a control, right? It's a wireless device. I cannot control that, but I can control my network infrastructure. So I can. So if you hit a vulnerability because of your client and it does not interoperate well with the wireless network, you have to come up with a patch onto your wireless network, onto your network devices. And that is where an ISSU will become very, very important in your wireless networks, where you can upgrade those patches onto the live network without any downtime. I mean, just think about the hospital network, right? They have a lot of wireless devices, which could be patient monitoring system and many more. And these are all wireless devices. They can get upgraded and updates with the patches onto their own wireless devices, right? And can create incompatibility with the wireless network. So we have to make sure that even though the wireless client gets upgraded, we our network infrastructure can support that interoperability. And for that, if patches and upgrades are needed, we can provide them with zero downtime into the network with ISSU and N plus one rolling AP upgrades. So are there any like uh, version dependencies or can I like go from like 16.11 to 17.3 and expect all this to work beautifully? Like, like what sort of concerns am I going to have when I actually try and go to do this? Yes. So, so if you look at N plus one rolling AP upgrades, right, uh, uh, Sam, there is no dependency because these are two different controllers. Your access point can move right. from one controller to another controller, get upgraded. So it can, two controllers can run Go. any other images. But when yeah. it comes to ISSU, they are running in a stack. They are in an active and a standby. We have to make sure that they are always compatible in terms of configurations in terms of the access point and client database to be synced from active to standby. And most of our networks are always on long-lived releases, right? For an example, 16.12 uh, is a long-lived release. 17.3 is a long-lived release. 17.6 is a long-lived release. So every July, there is a long-lived releases. And then there are multiple MRs which keep coming into this long-lived releases. So ISSU will be full compatible from any long-lived release to long-lived release. And any MR of a long-lived release to any MR of another long-lived release. So for an example, 16.12.1234, you can upgrade from anywhere to anywhere within 16.12 or within 17.3 or within 17.6. And you can also upgrade from any of the 16.12 MRs to the 17.3 MRs. So you can go from long-lived to long-lived, you can go from MR to MR of a long-lived release, and you can upgrade within the long-lived releases. 
Gotcha. So if you want this, try and stay away from all those intermediary uh, feature releases. Yes, because intermediate feature releases are a short-term releases. It's only valid for, they do not have multiple MRs. For an example, 17.1 and 2 are short-lived releases. They have no MRs. So most of the customers do not stay on the short-term releases because they do not get any maintenance releases on that. But long-lived releases are the one where most of our customers stays. And we want to make sure that they can upgrade from within the long-lived releases from one MR to an MR, or they can go from one MR to another MR of another long-lived releases so that we have a seamless upgrade path for them. Well, so that's really good to know. Yeah, go ahead. ahead. Nope. I was going to say, it's really good to know because, um, you know, people, when they go to select, when they go to select software that they're going to be running on their platform, um, there's obviously the the, the sort of cascading set of interdependencies. This is one more justification to go for that long-lived release as opposed to jumping to a version of code that may have a newer date on it um but uh and maybe a newer version number on it or a new version number but maybe an older date i guess yes and can you just repeat your question one more time uh i um so what you're saying is people when they go to pick the version of code that they're running on their controllers they have to be very conscientious about things like long lived long lived releases if they are interested in doing things like issu and all of these great high availability things in fact we have built some intelligence sam here when you try to do an issu it will tell you what release you can go from where you are so you will not go in a wrong path for an example you are running 16.12 and you are trying to go to 17.1, we will give you on the controller an access that, hey, you cannot go to 17.1 because it's not a long-lived release. You need to go to 17.3, and this is your upgrade gotcha. path. So we will take care of that while the upgrade is happening, and it guides the customers that which is your next available image where you can do an ISSU. So will it do like the, the two hop if you need to go to an intermediary version? Is it going to do that, or is there no need for an intermediary? No, so there will be no need of intermediary release, Dan. So you can go from any release to any release as long as it's a long-lived release or as long as it's within a long-lived release. Okay. But Dan and Sam, uh, maybe question back to you, just trying to understand. When you see your environments, right, uh, specifically the wireless environments, how critical do you see upgrades happening in the environment such as hospitals, right? Because you do not have their weekends or the evening because hospitals runs 24 by seven or manufacturing where the production is happening all the time. So what do you see in those environments with this upgrade innovation, which is coming in? Yeah, I mean, I've seen more than one hospital that um, takes the approach of we're going to do our software updates at uh, 12 o'clock in the afternoon. Um, because A, they're doing it over a lunch break, and B, they will, planned, obviously, they'll send out notices and, you know, let the staff be aware that something's going down. But um, I've seen more than one organization say, since there's really no good time, we're going to do it at the time where we get instant and immediate feedback that things are good to go. Um, And so they'll do it right smack dab in the middle of the day. I'm not saying that's a great idea, but, um, you know, I see sort of everything all over the map. Yes, and I think, and I think Dan, uh, Sam, I should say that this is how the network used to run today, right? Because customers do not have options. But because of right. all this facility, now they can do it uh, without any worry about how things will happen at what time. They can just upgrade, start an upgrade, go and have coffee, come back, and upgrade is done. <laughs> and if you look at it, right, uh, 
uh, what I will say is that more and more of our laptops, in fact, if you look at all of our MacBooks and Windows, do not even have an Ethernet connectivity, right? They don't have Ethernet. So more and more devices are becoming wireless. So you will see after some time that not only the hospital or the manufacturing where the manufacturing or the work keeps happening 24 by 7, many more industries will move to the 100% wireless networks. And when they move to the wireless networks, they may hit vulnerability anytime. So the network infrastructure should be capable of upgrades and updates with zero downtime and you should be capable of doing that anytime into the network. Does not matter when you're fully loaded system, these capabilities will help to upgrade the networks with no downtime. Oh, I'm out of questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I, I, I don't know about uh, Dan, but I'm excited to, um, to see this feature sort of grow and mature. I think that like a lot of things, um, you know, I think everybody's sort of shy about, you know, the first time they hear something. But I think um, obviously if this is, if it, you know, once people have a chance to actually work through this process a couple of times uh, and see that it does work, I think that's a, that's a, uh, the future is very bright as far as uh, um, Wi-Fi networks are concerned because you're right. I think updating controller code and AP code and software is um, one of the core things that we struggle with. I, I think that availability, uh, that focus on availability is uh, very welcome. Right, Sam. And just to share with you and to the everyone is, right, we today in our live production network in Cisco offices, we have tried ISSU on the live production network just to make sure how things are working because we try something before we give it out to our customers. And, and you do it on seen... the marketing network, right? Yes. <laughs> you know, the least <laughs> critical. Ouch. Oh, ah. okay. So <laughs> have... you can vouch for its stability. Exactly. <laughs> and yes, we have seen that no network issues when we did that in our own networks. Cool. All right. So bright future, Sam, will you be wearing shades? Uh, decidedly so. Awesome. All right. Thanks, guys. This has been really cool. I learned a lot and I appreciated uh, learning from you, Ankur and Dan and Sam. And thanks to all our listeners. If you are still listening at this point, please go subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Cisco Champions Radio. Thank you. Goodbye. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Toodaloo. Thank you.